Arf, Pup Ikis here with The Dog Dish, a podcast all about puppy play and the humans behind the hoods. This is part two of a pair of episodes about helping folks feel welcome at events. You don't need to listen to part one first, but I do want you to know that you're joining in the middle of a conversation. If you haven't heard the other episode yet, you should at least queue it up after this one's finished. As a reminder, each of these two episodes starts with a brief example from my local community that shows just how important, how simple, and how potentially forgettable it can be to make new folks feel welcome. These are followed by stories from folks who go out of their way to make sure new people feel welcome in their regular spaces, along with pups who have directly benefited from those efforts. In each case, the person who felt welcomed reached out to me with the story, and the person who welcomed them was kind enough to join for the interview. At the end of this episode, I'll recap everything from parts one and two with a list of suggestions for newbies and regulars alike in an effort to give you some ideas of simple, practical things you can do at your next event, even if it's your first, to make it the best it can be for everyone involved. Let me start by pointing out something really important. When you're used to a group or event or whatever, everything about it is normal for you. But for a new person, everything is novel. Everything needs processing, and if most folks there know each other, it can seem tough to break into the conversation. A small act of inclusion from a regular can mean the world to a newcomer, even though it might feel insignificant to the regular. That fact came back to bite me recently when chatting with my friend Roger. The thing that prompted this conversation, if I recall correctly, was that you, Rudy, and I were standing in All Night Skate. We were just chit-chatting about who knows what, and... Mm-hmm. I mentioned offhandedly that Rudy was the first pup I had ever met in Brooklyn, and therefore he has a soft spot in my heart and there's nothing he can do about it. And yeah. you, like, without skipping a beat, just turned to me and go, yeah, you were there at my first pup event too. And I had this blank expression on my face that I completely <laughs> did not register. I had no idea that I had met you then. I had no idea that that was your first event. I had no idea that we had connected. Like, it's, I drew a complete blank. And I felt so horrible because from my recollection, like, and I I still don't like saying this to your face, but like, I don't remember you as part of that evening. Oh my God. Right. That's okay. And and that's why, that's why I feel awful because you brought it up so quickly and so immediately. And you made it sound like it was like um, a, a big deal. I was like, Oh shit. Like I have, I've written that out on my memory or something like that. And as we talked, I, I recognized, oh, wait, no, we did have a conversation. And I do remember the fact that we talked. The details of that conversation are, are lost in my head for whatever reason. Um, but I, I did eventually recover enough to be like, oh, yeah, that did happen. Okay, I can at least say that much. Yeah. So, but so, I think that speaks to the nature of these interactions, right? Is that you never know when you're at an event like this, like, who's there. Well, sometimes you do, right? But let's say you're seeing someone there who you don't know, and you don't know if it's their first time there. You don't know how experienced they are. You don't know if they're feeling confident, if they're feeling like they barely got themselves there at all. And like, I think it can really set the tone for someone's entire experience and you don't even know it. Right. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. And and you were about yeah. to say um, something like, you don't even know if it's their first time. And then you correct, caught yourself and you're like, you probably would know that. Uh, what I would add on to that though, is you probably don't know um, whether you're the first person to reach out to them or mm. the kind of yeah. effect you're about to have on their experience that evening. 
Um, you might know right. that it's their first time because you're used to the scene, but you right. don't know how your engagement with them is going to be perceived. Um, oftentimes until long afterward. So um, because my memory ain't what it used to be, would you, would you be interested in going through your side of that story and kind of like telling what you remember from that event and, and what stood out from our interactions or that sort of thing? Yeah. So um, this was the first pet and handler event that I was ever going to attend. And I was feeling a lot of anxiety that night about like the state of my relationship and like all of, all of those factors about like, I should have the agency to be able to go to something like this, um, but feeling very on the fence. And I knew I wanted to be there to support um, our dear friend, the previous uh, handler of the year, Raptor, who mm -hmm. loves being showered with compliments as we know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yes. Never blushes or and hides so, his face for any reason. No, not at all, yeah. And so I wanted to go to support my dear friend who's such a community leader and beacon, um, Raptor. <laughs> and so, and it was the event happened to be right around the corner from where I live, so it was very convenient for me to attend. Prior to getting involved in like the pup scene, like going to gay bars or like queer spaces was not something I did very often. And so the mere fact of me like entering this space on my own volition was like a huge deal, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then you add on the layer of like claiming sexual agency. Then you add on the layer of it like being a kink centered event, mm -hmm. and like that can induce a lot of anxiety for someone. And I feel like I'm someone who has a lot of confidence. I had to work for that confidence and it's still like, you know, an ongoing thing. But for me to like be there was a big deal. And so I got there and Raptor wasn't there <laughs> yet. I know the nerve. And, and, um, and so I was just standing in the corner with like my hood in my hand and my gay little outfit on. And I was like scrolling my phone uh, not knowing really what to do. And then this friendly pup <laughs> from across the way says, put down your phone and come talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. And I introduced myself and this lovely pup was you, Akis. It was you. <gasps> it was me. Yeah, it was you. It was you all along. And so, but, oh. you know, in, in that moment, I needed someone like you, I feel, to call me in and like, mm -hmm make sure that I was being involved and like, um, I don't know, like in that moment, I, f I felt very connected and welcomed and safe in, in the space to feel like, oh my gosh, like I do belong here. Like, yeah, this is my first time. Yeah, there's a lot of layers experience, but like um, I, I do belong here and like my presence is important. And so by you like uh, weaving me into the conversation like that, I was like, all right, like these are, these are my people. And I already kind of knew that from like existing online and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But going uh to your first event in person and meeting the people at irl yeah that's a whole different you, thing you, it's a whole different layer to it yeah and then like here i am taking the stage of the most recent one not even a year ago knowing what it even was and i say taking the stage in an assisting role i was not you know running for one of the titles just to don't get it twisted all right but um yeah it's crazy how much can happen in such a short amount of time and mm -hmm. like how you know, your presence in a space or in a scene or in a community can like so drastically change uh, from just in just, a, in just a short amount of time. And so much of that, especially for me, comes down to the relationships that you build with the people. Mm -hmm. um, like that night, you know, we talked about like our passions and our careers and like where those intersected. And like, mm -hmm. I didn't even expect to meet anyone 
that night who had some of the similar interests as me. And so yep. like that felt really powerful. Um, and yeah, like this summer too, I went to Montreal for pride and I went to like this big puppy March. And so talk about like, even on an international scale, right? Like I went to a pup event con conducted completely in French, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and even there, like I was able to find a handful of people that I like really connected with. And mm -hmm. all it takes is one person to call you in and make you feel welcome and listen to your story or your words. And then you can go from there. And sometimes those kind of connections are even more powerful than say meeting someone who is involved in like the local scene, right? Yep. Because like there's this idea that you're both navigating this terrain together for the first time. Um, there's like that sense of unfamiliarity of like navigating the social norms of, mm -hmm. you know, all like the unspoken stuff that you're kind of like navigating together for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so funny that you say that because me being there, I was like, I'm gonna be the newest one here. Everyone's gonna have so much more experience than me. I remember <laughs> I remember feeling very um, nervous that I didn't have paws, like I didn't have like leather mitts or anything to wear. I was like, like why, like, why was that the most important thing uh, that I was worried about? Um, it's crazy how like your priorities shift. Your brain fixes on you something. Just, you just don't, yep. you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so, um, those connections uh, with the other pets and with the other people and with the other pups, like that's, that's what it's all about. If you were to give advice to people who are going to events, uh, I'm curious what kind of advice you would give. Let's talk about the new people first, because yes. I feel like that that is closer to the spectrum of where I might identify like along mm -hmm. those. Mm -hmm. um, for people who are new, I would say, don't be afraid to start a conversation. Like don't be afraid to take up space. You know, you're there. And these are your people, whether you know them or not, you know, you're all there for a similar purpose and a similar interest to like celebrate your identity, celebrate your sexuality, celebrate your self-expression. And that is like the unifying factor of why everyone has come together, why everyone is present. And so st like starting a conversation, like based on one of those topics or like a piece of gear that someone's wearing or like giving out a compliment, like those are great ways to like start a conversation with someone that you don't even know. Um, I think another good piece of advice is knowing that, like, um, it's okay if maybe the first conversation you have, like, you don't click with that person. Like, there is plenty of other people that are there that you can interact with. And, like, don't be hard on yourself if, like, the um, an interaction doesn't go the way that you had hoped or the way that you had expected. Like, everyone's coming in with, like, a different... Um, I don't want to say agenda, but like everyone's coming in with a different kind of mindset of what they're hoping to get out of the event maybe. And so, um, you know, keep it moving, <laughs> like, yeah. find, you know, find your people. Don't be afraid to talk to a variety of people. Some, even someone who you might not, um, normally interact with. Like those are some of the most interesting conversations you might end up having. Um, what are some other things? Um, if possible, like going with a friend can be a way to feel more comfortable in the space. Um, but that's not always practical for everyone, especially in this community, right? Like you might be the yeah. only one, you might be the only one, you know, that you know that's into pet play or pet play. And so, um, yeah, don't don't be afraid. Like navigate the space with, the, with an ounce of confidence and it can really take you a long way. You know, putting yourself out there um, and showing that you're there to like participate, that you're there to, to mosh or that you're there to talk or that you're there to like sip on your drink, <laughs> you know, or to dance or whatever, you know, the activities going on are involving yourself, being present, um, starting the conversations, giving out a compliment. I think those are all great ways to um, navigate 
a scene for the first time. Some advice I would give for someone who's more established in a scene or in a community is to look out for the newcomers. Like when you see people who you don't recognize, like call them in, um, have a small conversation, offer to buy them a drink. Like those are all things that can make people feel more welcome. It can be very tempting and very easy. And I'm finding this too, now that I'm like, have some friends in the scene and like I'm making connections that it's so easy just to gravitate to the people that you always talk to and that you are always friends with that you know you're going to have a great conversation with but it can almost you know to put yourself out there again you know to put yourself in the shoes of someone who's new to like talk to someone new or like put yourself in a conversation that um, you otherwise might not have can be a great way to just like I don't know wield your social capital in a responsible way or in a kind way and um, I think those people are going to notice that like people like I I know when I started going to events and I would see people who I knew from online and they would take the time to talk to me and like get to know me that made me feel so special and like feel so welcome and so um I would say for someone who is established like taking the time to get to know the new people um can really go a long way I, I forget the little like mental mnemonic that people use to try and keep this in mind. It was either the Pac-Man concept or the idea of like leave a space. But when engaging in conversation with, with other people, always make sure there is a space, a physical space in the circle of people talking for a new person to walk in. And if a new oh, person does yeah. join and then closes the circle, then Pac-Man it again and, and rearrange to open up another space so that other people are always welcome to join in. And that way, you know, if somebody wanders up, they don't have to feel like an outsider, both physically and like emotionally, they can insert themselves in the conversation. And then if it's somebody that you don't know, once they do physically enter that space or that circle or whatever you want to call it, uh, you you know to ask who they are, you know, prompt conversation and, and, and start that whole process of getting to know them. Um, and I found that to be super, super helpful from both sides of the equation. Um, I'm always super grateful whenever I would like to get to know somebody or would like to engage someone in conversation. And I notice that there is a space for me to easily and comfortably navigate into where they're standing. Um, and then I've also very much appreciated what happens when I leave space for other people to join, because then just like random conversations happen because it's, it's something that I don't even have to go do. It's like someone will just walk up and provide new conversation to the people that I'm chatting with because they will insert themselves into our discussion. And it's always just delightful. Physical space, like that's a huge one. Like making sure that people like, like are literally able to enter, <laughs> you know, what's what's mm -hmm. happening and what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's huge. And like allowing people to take up space and like, because ultimately that's what we're all there to do, right? Like this is a group of people who might feel like marginalized, like most likely feel marginalized in, in like a grand societal sense right mm -hmm. but then even within their subculture there's this idea of like well we're all like kinky or whatever or like we don't necessarily fit the mold of what a lot of like the social narrative is pushing and so all of the people attending this place are like are coming with some sort of like wound right, right? Mm -hmm. or like some or like some sort of baggage or emotional baggage or you know everyone's there because in some respect they feel like maybe they don't fit in Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, keeping that in the back of your mind, I think that's another piece of advice I would give to someone who's new is reminding yourself that this is supposed to be like a little silly. Like we have a bunch of people, right, that are in this space uh, role playing as animals, um, which like I love to do. Um, and it's also very silly. <laughs> yep. And so like keeping that in mind, too, can help like put things in perspective as well.
for anyone who is feeling anxious about attending an event for the first time, knowing that it's a playful space, that it's supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be light, it's supposed to be um, joyful. Yeah. Let's turn now to my last interview, this time with Pup Star Orion and Sir Wombat. They're going to discuss helping others get started in the community by reaching out to get someone over that hump of feeling excluded. I am Popstar Orion. I use he, his pronouns. I am the social outreach coordinator for Obsidian LA, uh, co-founder of the support group Chronically Kinky, um, and the co-founder of the Ruckus Pet Play Pack. Hi, my name is Sir Wombat. I'm also Dr. Eric James Escareño. I am the CEO of Wombat Mental Health Services. I am the head of a leather family, and I am definitely a a two-spirited, indigenizing person. As with Crow and Spike from part one, Orion and Wombat distinctly remember how, when, and why they met. Their experience echoes the stories I opened with, where a small gesture from one person can make a world of difference to someone new, but they take the situation to the next level. A while back, Orion made a comment online about a memorable first-time experience he had, and I just had to bring him on to tell us how that whole thing went down. Oh, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me a story. I got lots of stories. Hmm. So this was the LA Pup 2018 contest, so it would be November 2017. For me, it starts with the meet and greet. I walked in, immediately clung to the wall, which people who know me would probably find that concept laughable now but I didn't know a single soul and I was terrified and I had my little hood, but then also didn't talk to anybody new and like didn't really do any pub stuff. Didn't really like, it was hard enough to get out the door um, for me at that point. So I walked in by myself. This is my first time going anywhere alone. And immediately I, I remember I walked through the door and leaned against the wall just on instinct and pup rush saw me and immediately broke from the crowd, walked directly to me and said, you're a good boy. I just know it. And he was so welcoming and so nice. And he took me by the hand and introduced me to every single person in the bar and made sure that, that I was always with somebody and that he would start conversations for me to you know, jump into. And then he would walk away and leave me talking to people. And I felt so happy you know like i this was something that i hadn't figured out how to do myself yet and so the 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 next day the day of the contest i walked through the door my um at the time partner was going to meet me there so i was there alone i was waiting for them to get there and i hated it i absolutely hated it i felt somehow worse than i did the night before and i think a big part of that was I didn't see myself in anybody. Uh, I didn't even see a part of myself. Everybody was thin and white and half naked. And like, that's great if that's who you are. But as like a short, fat, like Latino trans person, I just didn't feel good. Um, At this point, I was probably about two years into being on hormones. uh, And I hadn't had top surgery yet. And I was still grappling as to whether that was something um, that I wanted or when it was the right time. And I had a lot of like insecurities about my body. So I felt like I was clothed more than anybody. Everyone knew somebody and I clearly didn't. And I honestly consider it one of the most isolating experiences in my life was that like maybe half hour that I was there alone. And I was 
really grappling with what to do. And at some point I decided I should just go home. This isn't for me. Maybe this is something that I can do at home, but it's not something that I can do in public. I don't belong in these spaces clearly because no matter where I walked and how many people I looked towards, like it was like I was invisible and it hurts so much that I remember like settling in one of the main rooms and pulling out my phone and seeing like how much an Uber home would be. And I was about to click confirm when there was a part of me that said, just, just look at the room one more time. And I was hovering over that button and I looked up and I kind of gave the room like a, a one last like chance to please somebody notice me. And it was then when I caught Sir's eyes and I saw that like, like we just locked eyes in that moment. And I remember um, Sir was like in his leather head to toe and when a gloved hand just waved me over. And I remember being confused at first because I was like, I don't know you, you don't know me, but clearly you're gesturing for me to come over. So I put my phone away with the Uber app still open and walked over. Yeah, just because I was like, I don't know where this is going, but I'm leaving right after this. I'm going to like, you know, text my um, partner to not come. So I walked over and it was, it was something about like how like, like, like insignificant, but in the best way that interaction was because all sir said was, I like your hood. Where is it from? And then I gave him like, oh, it's from Wolf Striker. And he said, yeah, it's supposed to be a specific breed, right? Can I guess? I said, yeah, sure. And then he thought for a second, he goes, no, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't quite remember. It's not a French bulldog. I said, no, it's a bull terrier. And he goes, oh, like the target dog, right? And I go, yeah, that's it. And then he said, well, this is my puppy. And he introduced me to his puppy. And I said, hi. And I looked back at him and he said, well, it was really nice to meet you. I'm Sir Wombat. I shook his hand and then I walked away because to me, that was the indication this conversation's over. And then I walked towards um, the entry and there was my at the time partner arriving. And so we went, we took our seats and they introduced the contestants and then they introduced the judges and I saw Sir stand up and wave. And then it clicked with me that this person who like, wasn't this like, skinny white you know just like looks like everybody else person like this poster child of what i assumed a pet player looks like and any you know side of the slash was not only here and existing but respected and his opinion mattered to these people and people knew him and i just thought well if he can do it i can do it i didn't know about all of those things uh until later uh orion had explained like grabbing it and because it was just a brief exchange it really was a brief exchange that didn't really seem in the moment to like the gravity in which someone could feel welcome in yep. uh i didn't know that they were going to leave that like that you know and uh and how much things can change with a brief interaction you know <laughs> and i think that's a really cool perspective to be able to say like all things in life are like that you know like there's always that yeah. small little butterfly effect of well, this person mm -hmm. said hi to me and and now it changed the course of history. And over time, yeah. we did get to know each other. But I had that in the back of my head. Every time I saw like an event that needed volunteers or like a niche that needed filling, I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And this is how I do it. I never wanted somebody to feel the way I felt again. I knew people would, but I didn't want that to be the norm. And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And then 
through fun, I guess, dumb luck, I, I ended up at an event with Sir. And I remember Sir came up to introduce himself. And I said, no, 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 we've met. And he said, cool. Do you want to play Frisbee with my puppy? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and I feel like the rest was history. And that's, that's how all our interactions were. They were always super lighthearted. So, so what's the secret? Well, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I have a secret. I think I'm a very welcoming person in general. So like, and I'm also very plain because for me, sometimes I struggle with, it just seems confusing. Like, wouldn't you just say yes? Or wouldn't you just like ask the question? I don't hedge too often. I also sometimes miss context. So like when people want to have sex, they'll just, you know, go kind of over my head, but then they should say like, Hey, you want to have sex? And I'll say, Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, (laughs) It's pretty, like I'm a pretty, a pretty easy person. I don't know. I just think like most events that I've ever gone to in a leather setting, it's uh, extremely important one to be welcoming. And I think the cool thing is, is, is it has, it doesn't have to be like so serious all the time. And the second time I met Orion, I didn't remember right off the bat. I meet a lot of people sometimes. And so, and especially if I'm flogging people, playing I may not be in my right mind and I may touch a lot of people, but I may not necessarily like fully remember their name. I remember what we've done, (laughs) but maybe not so much the name. So, but as we circulate spaces, it's yeah, of course, there's this little cutie pup like hanging out. And I love those kind of terriers, target dog. Like it was unique. And I didn't think two thoughts about how important it was, but more so of like that, that's what typically I would love to do. It's really important to be able to invite people to come out and just kind of enjoy yourselves or create new spaces because often it is really just white, cis, heterosexual. (laughs) And I don't vibe with those particular uh, spaces. And I've been to spaces where clearly I'm not meant to be there and it feels awkward and it feels different and it feels a little weird. I'm looking for out of safety who I could possibly say hi to over the years. I haven't like, I just kind of create my own space and that seems to do well for me. But for the most part, I think it's extremely important to be able to offer just a hello to people, you know, be friendly and, and be able to create community. One thing you said a few minutes ago, um, when you were like leading into your part of the story, you said that you were normally a very welcoming person or that it's, it's, uh, natural for you to just be welcoming, I think was the way that you phrased it. And I'm wondering if you'd be able to talk a bit about what being welcoming looks like or what you do that makes you a welcoming person. Uh, in other words, if if I've got a listener who doesn't see themselves as a welcoming person or doesn't know how to be welcoming, um, do you have suggestions or guidelines or advice or anything like that? Uh, sure. I mean, for your listeners who don't know what I look like, I am uh, not very tall, but I can head to toe look like leather. I can be femme presenting. I can be mask presenting. I have a huge bull ring, have lots of tattoos. I have very delicious dark skin and curly black hair have gray in my hair and most people when they would see me that they don't know me will often say things like you look like the meanest person in the room sometimes (laughs) and and i don't think that they usually try to mean that as a compliment but they don't and they'll come to me and say you're the nicest person in the room half of the time it's just me talking with folks 
half of the time, it's really just me saying, hi, how are you? And smiling, mm-hmm. um, smiling. And then also like, again, I show my nipples a lot or like I'm half naked and people will that often, does help. it does help, you know, <laughs> put, put a little honey on myself and, uh, just wait, uh, just wait for the flies to show up. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where it's, I think if people ever struggle with being friendly or welcoming and what that tangibly looks like, it can look like smiling, having a conversation, simply not putting so much importance. I think people get really hung up on what should I say or should I should I present this way? And mm-hmm. it's not so much about how um, people will, like what you're going to say to them. It's more about how you can come together on topics that you might share interest mm-hmm. in. You know, and we just happened so happened to be at a pup event, and I love puppies. <laughs> I love imagine the coincidence. Of, you know, like <laughs> what are the odds? And, wow, we almost um, have something in common. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but I mean, it's I mean, at any space, whether it's a kink event or a leather event or um, just outside, I talk with almost anybody, and I get that from my mother. I get my parents do that. Like it's just a community type of way to connect with folks. Hey, hey, you, like, let me talk to you. I don't know who you are, but we'll get to, we'll get to find out. So I guess it's just like tangible ways of just like smiling and uh, connecting with just like maybe some tidbits about yourself, something that maybe you're impressed about, about yourself, or maybe something that you're very proud of. Um, maybe waving your genitals around would be just as good. I mean, there's tons of ways. There are really tons of ways to be able to connect with people without even saying anything, you Mm -hmm. know, um, a good wink and a nod or, you know, or even uh, just like having your face brighten up or lighten up when you see somebody like, uh, the excited reaction, not that puppies know anything about excited reactions upon seeing a, a human being. No, nothing. absolutely not. Never heard of such a thing. Waving high, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, there's tons, there are tons and tons and tons of ways of being able to look welcoming. But I think it's one of the things where it's where it becomes challenging. And I think people get hung up on like, do I look good doing it? Or is this what, is this what it's supposed to be like? Mm-hmm. And ain't nobody trying to like, take points on that it helps to be funny too i guess to, to yeah. have that charm that natural <laughs> charm and wit that <laughs> i beg to differ i i don't think things are natural i think people learn how to do these things yes and it takes practice yes. so it just yeah. takes an amount a level of practice and a lot of failure in order to kind of hone mm-hmm. what that skill is and uh not everyone thought i was funny at some point and now i'm hilarious <laughs> So I mean, to you, at least. <laughs> to me, I'm hilarious. <laughs> I am the only person I need to impress. There you go. That's an approach. Now, I think one of the things that is important to be able to mention is that you have to have that exchange of feeling. When people mm-hmm. enter into a room, you're going to know immediately. And the more uh, things that you have on your belt, as far as that, that can pr- provide, you know, uh, it can become unsafe. Um, I check for other people who look like me. I check for people who might be able to have the same kind of shared experiences. I do all my checks and I also see who's different. Those are some of the things that just keep me safe in general. 
but to boil it down to what you're saying is feeling welcome, but it's not, it's more than that. The leather community can be a little bit more complex when it comes to like sharing in like-minded kinks and fetishes as well as community. And I know community is overstated so many times, mm-hmm. but it really is a feeling. The feeling is exchanged. It is being able to provide a space that people can go, I feel comfortable here. Mm-hmm. Most times, especially when it comes to leather and BDSM and all of those things, the outside world looks in to us and says, wow, that's weird. And so how could we possibly do that in our own spaces? But it still happens because not everyone looks like the same. And then the, the typical bodies that are around don't share the same experiences. So then they kind of don't really view or see people who have those other experiences. I don't do a lot of like cowboy stuff. You know, I love pony play. I don't do cowboy stuff. I do indigenous types of BDSM. And what that looks like is far different. And it is a lot of journey work, guiding people through mentorship, being able to teach people skills, passing on the knowledge of what I know. All of those are not just welcoming, but it gives people pathways to be able to have a better understanding of how to do things safely and and know how to do them and then pass it on to the next person. So, mm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate you phrasing it that way, sir. Because whether it was like intentional or not, that's what happened. And whether that pathway was ever to intersect with you again was like, you know, up to to the universe that reminds me that like community is intentional and it's mutual so you're right it's an exchange like mm-hmm. i'm not in community with you just because we're standing in the same um dungeon or bar um, that doesn't make us have the same end goal the same politics the same like concepts of liberation mm-hmm. um and when you're you know a marginalized person then like these things seep into everything that you do like my transness, my disability, my everything is intrinsically tied to my pet play, to my BDSM journey, to my understanding of leather, because I, I cannot fathom severing them. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that like finding people who, even whether they have that similarity or not, sure it's helpful, but like also are open to intentionally understanding that can also make community. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was a lot to take in. Those were some involved personal stories. To help emphasize each guest's insights, let's recap real quick with some guides for how best to navigate situations, spaces, and events from both sides of the newbie regular equation. I've also posted these lists on this episode's page of dogdishshow.com to make sure they're easy to refer to later. First, let's talk through things for new people to remember. 1. Before the event, connect with someone online and plan to find them at the venue or even earlier in the day if you're not comfortable finding the location by yourself. 2. When you arrive, first find your touchstone. Ask that person for more introductions. 3. Don't be afraid to take up space and start a conversation. These are your people, regardless of whether you know them yet. 4. In new conversations, Share your name, your story, your interests, and your needs. Ask for help finding others with shared interests, because the people you meet probably know the room already. 5. Remember it's okay if you don't click with the first person you meet. Talk with a variety to improve your chances of finding connection. 
Six, if you need a break, leave the space. Step outside for a bit, use the bathroom, and so on. Avoid using your phone in the crowd because you become a ghost. You're there, but you're not present. And seven, after the break, re-enter the space and select one person to reconnect with. Show you're there to participate. Now, if you've been to an event before, you probably don't need as much help navigating the space, but that familiarity means you're the perfect resource to help other people who don't arrive with the same confidence. So here are some pointers for regulars. One, be on the lookout for newbies, wallflowers, or those who look overwhelmed. Call them in and introduce yourself. Ask something like who they are, where they're from, what their name means, what their color signifies, or what their interests are. Two, Volunteer to introduce new folks to other individuals. Build connections, but emphasize individuals, not groups. People who thrive on group energy probably won't be wallflowers in the first place. 3. Be careful gravitating to the same people each time. Go find new people any chance you get. Particularly, look for people who don't look like you. Team up with difference to make a greater impact. 4. Remember that everyone in the kink community has felt excluded by our society in some way. Buck that trend by not merely tolerating, but actively including newcomers. 5. Consciously make space for people to easily enter your conversations. Show with your body placement that folks are welcome to join you. 6. Remember that a simple smile and gesture of inclusion from you can make all the difference in the world to someone unfamiliar with the event. And speaking of events, here's a quick recap of specific things folks can do if they host, promote, or organize events. 1. Attend to specific first-timer needs in marketing or on your website. Include transit or parking info, especially the hyper-local tricks. Things like free parking after 6 if you go down to 3rd Street, or the L train doesn't run this late, so take the A train instead. 2. Describe the dress code norms or boundaries. Saying, wear what makes you comfortable, doesn't work, because newbies don't know what will comfortably fit in until they arrive. Instead, suggest norms. Things like, you'll find some folks in X, some folks in Y, and most in Z. 3. Note differences between street and venue-appropriate attire, and how or when to transition from one to the other. Things like, most folks bring a circuit bag and there's a shelf to put them on once you enter and change. Or, there's a $5 cash-only coat check once you're inside and take off your street clothes. Or, it's the New York City MTA. They've seen stranger things than your gear. Consider not covering your face unless you're on someone's leash, but otherwise, you do you. 4. Normalize outreach. This could just be through cultural precedent, or through designated ambassadors, or by self-nominated nightly helpers. But make sure the event intentionally caters to new arrivals, not just regulars, and make sure your ambassadors are identified to the crowd, whether that be through signage or a quick announcement on the mic or some other solution. All right, we've covered a lot of territory in this episode. Let's get Roger back on once more to help bring things home. I think it'll boils down to you're gathering a bunch of people in a space. And so what can we do in our own power to make that space as welcoming as possible? And like, I've inhabited a lot of spaces in my life, right? Professional spaces, social spaces, not a space quite like this, right? 
But at the end of the day, it's a space, it's a gathering of people. And so navigating it in a similar way that you would navigate other spaces can help lower like the anxiety inducing nature of it. And just remembering that everyone was new at some point as well. You know, everyone wants to feel welcome. Everyone wants to feel valued. And so keeping that in mind if you're new, but also if you're someone who is part of the scene, like keeping that in mind can help everyone just have a good time. Thanks for listening to The Dog Dish. I'm your host, Pup Agus. Special thanks to Pup Roger, Pup Star Orion, and Sir Wombat. Y'all shared your stories of vulnerability and helped us see these important intimate moments from your perspective. I appreciate your time and candor. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy these conversations and want to keep them coming, if these episodes help you feel connected or informed, please help support the show's production. Imagine if you and I had these chats in a bar and you'd say, let me buy you a drink. Consider sending that along to make sure everyone everywhere can benefit from these discussions. Just follow the Become a Patron link at dogdishshow.com. Or if inflation has lightened your wallet, donate some advertising by telling a friend about the show or a specific episode you think they'd like. Thanks for helping out. Well, that's it for this two-part episode of The Dog Dish. Be sure to train your favorite podcast player to fetch so you'll hear the next episode once it's released. Or you can visit dogdishshow.com for all the episodes, for more information about the show, and to get in touch. Our next episode will dig into the history of pet play, but that's a few weeks away. Until that episode comes out, you stay. Stay tuned for more, that is. Arsh.